Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Over the past year, the coronavirus pandemic has upended the lives of hundreds of thousands of Staten Islanders, with members of the arts, culture, and dining communities among those hardest hit. Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the Scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'm joined by reporter Victoria Priola to discuss the devastating impact that the coronavirus pandemic has had on local artists, musicians, and restaurateurs. Hey, Victoria, how are you doing? Hey, Eric, I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm so glad to have you on today. So it's it's so weird. We haven't been in the office in, in over a year now. So what do you miss the most about being in the office? Honestly, I miss being like with you and Elise, Joe, just in the same table, you know, getting bagels on Thursdays and honestly, just going to an office. I genuinely miss leaving the house. Yeah, absolutely. The free food is definitely one of the things highest up on my list. Those Royal Crown sandwiches, whenever there's meetings, whew, I mean, I've, I've really been missing out there. But also, like you said, just, you know, being able to be around other reporters and, you know, bounce ideas off them. Or I, I don't know how many times, you know, I've had trouble with a headline. I just spin my desk around and ask someone else like, hey, what do you think about this? Or I don't know which word to use here. You know, what do you think would, would fit better? So I, I think that there's definitely been something lost in our job with everyone having to work remotely. So so I'm very excited, uh, as I'm sure you are, too, to, to finally be able to get back to some sort of office in, in the near future. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great. So we are here to talk about everything that you cover, which is arts, culture, dining, uh, and just how all of that has just been, like I said earlier, totally upended by the pandemic. It's been super difficult for everyone, but people in this community have really been disproportionately impacted in a sense. So when everything first shut down, a lot of essentials workers were still going to work. A lot of people were able to transition from home, but stuff like that is a bit more difficult for some of these artists, the musicians, the theater folks who who rely on live shows, on galleries, on, on other events like that for the majority of their income. So when the pandemic first hit, what were you hearing from some of these people? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, the overall sentiment was, we don't know how we're going to pay our bills. You know, a lot of people, like you said, do rely on theater, they rely on stand up comedy, they rely on art galleries for their income. So overall, when I was you know doing my interviews in the beginning of the pandemic was, you know, we're hanging in, but it's a scary time. So before the pandemic, I was just working uh, as an actor, comedian, improv teacher. Sebastian Canelli is a comedian from Pleasant Plains. And then everything shut down. And so I lost my job. Uh, There's no performance opportunities for me anymore. And so I ended up uh, not signing my lease in Brooklyn anymore. And I had to move back into my parents' house, which is here in Staten Island. Now there seems to be a lot more optimism in the community. I've covered an open mic at Big Nose Kate, so just seeing the community come back again and try to make the most out of what is really a not-so-great situation, it's inspiring. 
Yeah, it really is. And, and you mentioned that now things are, are starting to slowly open back up so people have some more opportunities to showcase their talents and, and to earn some income from these kinds of things. But early on, I mean, when everything was completely shut down, it was difficult for them. And, and a lot of people had to adapt and, and find new ways to share their art and to make a living off of this. So what were some of the creative kind of innovative ways that you saw the Staten Island arts community move forward during the, the start of the pandemic? Yeah, if I can say like one thing about the Staten Island arts community is that they know how to band together. They know how to make a situation 10 times better for themselves. A lot of the performances that were scheduled for in-person went virtual. A lot of people, like many theater companies, such as like the Staten Island Shakespearean Theater, St. George Theater, and their Christmas show cast in the wings and Little Victory Theater, they, they put on virtual shows to rack up some income while keeping up with their other, you know, their other practices and such, because it was just a really hard time for them. So, of course, you know, everything went virtual. And then door, over the summer, there were a lot of outdoor, you know, fairs that local artists can showcase their work in. Like um, Snug Harbor did some lawn performances or those who do spoken word, you know, they got to make the best out of the space that they have. Yeah. And then you mentioned that once we got to the summer and, and things started to open up a little bit, there were some more outdoor events allowed, that things really opened up for these people. It allowed them to have kind of a venue or, or an outlet for some of their creativity. So how did it change once things started to slowly open back up? A lot of restaurants started doing like incidental performances. So although restaurants couldn't sell tickets to performances that you would see at, I'm trying to think right now of O'Neill's, they would have Vincent and Asante come and do some piano work. Um, that would just be an incidental performance. So if you heard him, there's nothing they can really do about it because, you know, he was just playing music on the side. So a lot of restaurants helped local artists have an impromptu stage by just doing it on the street corners and such. So it wasn't an ideal situation because these artists are used to performing at venues. They would sell tickets by their names alone. So it's not just individuals who are affected by the pandemic, but also some of the island's biggest cultural institutions, places like the St. George Theatre and Snug Harbor that you cover all the time, were shut down for extended periods of time. So let's start with the St. George Theatre, which obviously has been unable to host shows for the past year with in-person audiences. So how has that affected them? What, what other kinds of things have they been doing in the meantime? In the very beginning of the pandemic, they were planning the Christmas show. So that kind of put a damper on the whole thing. They were just getting the cast together and the cast is all volunteer. So although they weren't going to get paid for it, a lot of these people do work as professional artists and entertainers so in order to still hone their skills they actually did a music video in the beginning of the pandemic to try to like boost morale and I guess just get everyone together for a, a virtual performance and they did a gala that was virtual so they had artists and entertainers that they have throughout the year do a little bit of message just for people who uh, paid for their gala tickets to kind of enjoy through there. That's really cool. And like you said, it, it's interesting that they've been able to kind of shift gears, right? And, and you know, obviously they make the bulk of their money off shows and having people in the seats there, but they had to get creative and, and they have. They've figured out these other ways to host virtual events, to, to have live videos, to have these kinds of things. And so it's nice to see the innovation there and that they're not just sitting around waiting for, for things to reopen. They're going out and they're trying to be proactive. Yeah, also during the pandemic, I thought it was interesting, um, Zayn Malik filmed a music video at St. George Theatre, so I'm sure they made a little penny off of that, which is nice, but yeah, I hope that St. George Theatre is able to 
resume live performances because it really is a part of Staten Island history and you know it has given a lot of local artists a stage as well I know they used to be involved with youth performances as well giving um, families affordable theater to see so I really hope that that comes back sooner rather than later yeah absolutely and Staten Island is this place that as you've reported on in the past has limited venue space to begin with a lot of the artists were struggling to find places to perform their art and then the pandemic hits and they really lose any place that they had existing. So it really was just a tough time for the industry and and for the artists and everybody. But let's move on to Snug Harbor, another place that you're very familiar with. They have a lot of indoor exhibits uh, and museum stuff that had to be closed for a long time. I think some of that has opened back up in reduced capacities. They also host numerous outdoor events every year. I'm sure some of those had to be either canceled or adapted in a way. So what's been going on at Snug Harbor? How have they been holding up throughout the pandemic? Throughout the pandemic, actually, in the beginning, they were hosting Zoom activities for like parents who couldn't get their kids to focus on school. So they put them in like these Zoom meetings with the museum hosts and like gallery people. So, you know, I think they're, they're trying their hardest to adapt to this new landscape of, you know, outdoor events. And they, they have a beautiful beautiful venue to do that in so yeah absolutely and so they were in a little bit of a better position like you said because a lot of the stuff that goes on there is outdoors to begin with so once we got to the point where it was nicer weather and they were allowing some outdoor gatherings granted with limited sizes they were able to still host some of the things that they would normally do although altered a bit but then it's also really cool to see them you know going virtual like so many other people have had to do over the past year and the Staten Island Children's Museum is you know a huge part of what they do there and often Offering those fun interactive activities. So obviously it was a little different, but I, I know that they were still able to offer some sort of programming to these kids. And, and that was really invaluable for the community in my mind. Yeah, also they did an outdoor reception for an exhibit, the Landfill Fashionistas. So they are still trying to educate Staten Islanders and make the, the most out of their space, especially, you know, in a time like this when people need stuff to do. <laughs> Yeah, well, that that actually transitions very well into my next question of people needing stuff to do. So one of the things that you've been handling for a long time for us is the weekend roundup, weekend alert. It kind of details all the different events going on around the borough in the upcoming weekend, letting people know, you know, are you looking for something to do? There's this, there's this, there's this. But, you know, obviously during COVID, especially at the beginning, most of the events were canceled. No one could really do much. So how did that kind of change the way that you put together the weekend alert? I imagine it was a lot harder for you to try and find things to stick on there, right? Yeah, the weekend alert used to take me about a day and a half to do every week before the the pandemic because there were about 20 to 30 events I would have to list on a weekly basis, just you know, basis, just to make sure that people had things to do. Now I'm lucky if I get five, and most of them are online. So it definitely is harder to find these events because I want to make sure that I'm putting things in there that are safe to do for Staten Islanders and coming from trusted sources because we can say we have a Zoom meeting for a dance class and then no one shows up, the Zoom meeting doesn't happen. So I think when Staten Islanders feel more comfortable going out and these establishments have set regulations, it'll be easier to find events. But for right now, they're few and far between. Yeah, it's got to be tough, I'm sure. And so... A big part of your job, I mean, has been over the years going out into the field and covering these events as well, not just previewing them, but you're kind of our boots on the ground in a sense with our arts and culture stuff. And so that's obviously changed a lot over the past year. You haven't had the opportunity to do that nearly as much. So 
How has the pandemic kind of changed the way that you do your job and the way that you find and report stories? I'm honestly lucky to have a job. So um, <laughs> I truly, that's how I feel. Like I'm, in the beginning of the pandemic, when I heard that um, live theater was going to shut down and there was nothing really artistic and entertaining going on, I genuinely thought like, what are they going to do with me here? But, you know, James Yates, my editor, kind of integrated me more into the social media team. And that's when how Yes, They're Open started. So I really started focusing on local restaurants and how they're handling the pandemic, as well as local theater, comedians, artists. So I definitely have had uh, a change in the role, but I think the role has kind of grown into doing more Facebook Live because really that's how I've connected with people. Even though we're supposed to be in quarantine, I've gone out every single day to do a, a Facebook Live at a different restaurant for Yes, They're Open. So it's definitely a weird transition, but it's, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, and that's actually what I wanted to talk about next. The Yes, They're Open series, I think, is one of the things you're best known for at this point. You are plastered all over our Facebook page every day, doing very important work there. So obviously, the restaurants were among the hardest hit industries during the pandemic due to all the restrictions on indoor dining. And there wasn't even outdoor dining at the beginning. It was just takeout. And so it was a really difficult time for some of these smaller local restaurants. But like you said, you launched this amazing Facebook series called Yes, They're Open. You go all around the island to all of these different local restaurants and just kind of show who's still operating, who's still selling food, who's doing indoor dining. And you're also encouraging Staten Islanders to go out and support these businesses during these trying times. So what has that experience been like for you? What have you heard from the restaurant owners that you've covered? I mean, how has it been? Well, yes, they're open. Got two point nine million views last year, so okay, <laughs> that, yeah, like a subtle flex, but that really is to the Staten Islanders who tuned in every day, who supported the restaurants after the Facebook Lives or even beforehand. Like that really showed the dedication that Staten Island has to making a new normal for these restaurants. It's not something that we've all done before, but um, you know we're. Bin 5 is an Italian restaurant in Rosebank. I mean, we we're all staffed and we were a family, so we weren't going to let anybody go. Um, it really has been a rewarding experience meeting the restaurant owners. Even when times were bad, they welcomed me in. They showed me their menus. They showed me what they could. They made me food. They fed me. We loved that for them. Um, <laughs> so it was it was really a great time. Um, and, you know, when the restaurants closed, there were a couple that I actually I featured that did end up closing. You know, that's very sad. But for the most part, Staten Island was very supportive. And, you know, the restaurant owners were very, very welcoming and they were very happy to have us there. So that's all I can really ask for. Yeah, absolutely. And so unfortunately, like you mentioned, not all of the local restaurants and businesses were able to make it through the pandemic, you know, with revenues going down, no one coming in for indoor dining, uh, all of those kinds of things. So some of them were forced to close their doors for good, unfortunately. Can you talk about some of the businesses that we lost on Staten Island over the past year? You know, you had asked me that before, and I was the, trying to think of like a list of the, you know, the restaurants. And the one that really stood out to me was Trattoria Romana. It was, you know, the, it was in Dungan Hills, and it was well known, you know, for being an Italian restaurant. And when they closed, it really 
I think it hit home for a lot of Staten Islanders because you remember Sunday dinner there, you remember having a birthday party there, having an engagement party, whatever it is. So that one really hit home. And, um, but there were also a lot of new restaurants that came out of the pandemic. So it really is the give and take. It's very sad though, because you know, like you said, the pandemic has been very hard for restaurants, especially. Yeah, and, and like you had mentioned, some of these restaurants are places that had been there in, you know, staples of their community for, you know, decades. And, and people are just so used to having it there. And businesses the same way, not just restaurants. These places that you're so accustomed to having in your neighborhood, they've been a part of your life for as long as you can remember. And now, as a result of something that's completely out of their control with the coronavirus pandemic, you know, they weren't able to make the money that they needed to stay open. So it really is just very sad to see. Yeah, and especially with that restaurant, they, Trattoria Romana, had just redone their outdoor dining area. And you can see, like, from the customers that I spoke to when I did my Facebook Live, they felt like they were, like, really in Italy because they had a garden there and it was, like, you know, white picket fences and stuff. Like, it really was a very uh, nice outdoor dining area. So I'm hoping that whatever does replace that area um, ends up living up to the, you know, filling the shoes well, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us, Victoria. It has been a pleasure talking to you as always. Keep up the amazing work that you are doing for the artists and restaurant tours of Staten Island. Oh, thanks, man. You too. Keep up the good work. Did you know in 1918, Wagner College moved from Rochester, New York to Grimes Hill on Staten Island? The first enrolled class featured just one professor and 16 students. Thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit SILive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.